You're listening to the Speak of Money podcast, helping you get smart, comfortable, and focused with money so you can enjoy life with financial confidence. And this is episode three. Hello, and welcome to the Speak of Money podcast. I'm your host, Mary Deshawn Kinkalar, and I'm glad you're here joining me today. It's late July, and we are in the middle of a heat dome here in the Midwest. But that's fine for me. I prefer the heat over snow anytime, and so it hasn't really been a problem. The big thing in our house this summer has been a puppy that we are in the process of training. His name's Biscuit, and he's a 12-week-old Cairn Terrier and very feisty. So, um, yeah, we're continuing to go through all of the ups and downs of training our puppy, and there are definitely good days and bad days. But I think we're getting on to a better routine, so fingers crossed, it it seems to improve a little bit each day. Either that or maybe I'm we're just getting used to things. I, I don't know. But you know, the other day um I was thinking that there are definitely some similarities between training a puppy and personal finance. Perhaps I have too much time on my hands, but that's what I was thinking about. And it made me a little bit sympathetic to what people experience with money in trying to manage it when they're not used to it, because I take it for granted. It's something I'm dealing with every day. And when I started to realize what we were going through in training the puppy, I realized how we felt kind of out of our element. And the first thing I realized is that we're going to make mistakes with training Biscuit. He's really, you know, like I said before, he's a little bit feisty, and we're not going to get it all right, right off the bat. But it is definitely about creating habits. So when we mess up, we try to do a better job the next time. And the same thing goes with money. No one is going to get it right every time. So you do your best and you course correct when things aren't going right. But you have to keep at it. And I think the biggest takeaway I got out of this is don't give up or ignore things and just hope everything's going to turn out okay. Because you'll end up with a financial mess, or in the case of a puppy, you'll have a wild dog chewing through your entire house. So that kind of leads me into the second similarity, is that you need to manage your emotions when you're trying to train a puppy, just like when you're managing your finances. You know, we're all emotional. That's just part of human nature. But if we react to every emotional trigger without stepping back and collecting our thoughts and kind of checking our feelings likely going to act out and make things worse. I call this when we're working from our lizard brain, you know how like you, you kind of get into a cycle where you can't get out of. And so let's say your dog is not responding the way you hoped or wanted it to respond. If you're stressed or tense or anxious, you know, the dog's going to pick up on that and it can make things even more difficult for you. Trust me, we've had biscuit growling and nipping at our feet just in a matter of seconds. I call it the death spiral because we couldn't bring him back out of it and kind of snap him to reality. And the more we didn't want something, the more we got. So the more we fought it, the worse it got. And with your finances, when things aren't going as planned or as you had thought, it's common to want to do something or basically anything to respond. But you need to remain calm and confident with your financial plan. And the best action is that you don't want to overreact. So sometimes doing nothing is is a smart move, sticking with the plan that you had in place. 
and not overreacting or escalating the situation is really key. You know, the situation could very well correct itself either in time or with the right guidance. Again, it's going back to the plan that you have in place. And that takes me to the third similarity between puppy training and personal finance that I see. And it's about information overload. Just like finance, there is a ton of information out there on how to train puppies. And there are puppy experts and books and videos and tips on what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And some of these opinions contradict each other. And it seems everyone, even with very good intentions, of course, everyone has an opinion or wants to share their insight on puppy training. And you know what? This is the exact same thing we see with personal finance. Just too much information, too many tips. It can paralyze you. It's overwhelming trying to understand what is the right thing for you to do and how to put all the pieces together. That's what we were experiencing. And you're always kind of left wondering if it's going to work for you in your particular situation. You know, they don't know my dog. They don't know my financial life. So Getting personalized advice can make a lot of sense if you're getting stuck or you need someone to kind of guide you through so you know your options at least. It doesn't mean you should turn everything over to someone else. You still need to be involved. Again, this goes for both puppies and money, but getting advice can help you know what to focus on. So that's my puppy and personal finance analogy. Let me know your thoughts by leaving a comment under the show notes for podcast episode three at speakofmoney.com. And now we're going to switch gears completely to answer a question that came into the Ask Mary page on speakofmoney.com. This is from Elizabeth, and she writes, Mary, after six years at my current firm, I'm getting ready to go out and start my own legal practice in the next eight to 12 months. What are some financial issues I should watch out for as I make this transition? Well, that's a great question, Elizabeth. And this could be a very long answer, but first, obviously, I don't know all of the details to your situation, so I'll do my best to give you the highlights. But with a big change like this, I do recommend that you get some one-on-one financial and tax advice. That said, here are some of the top things I would have on my radar if I were you, and I would start working on them now. The first one would be cash reserves. You need to boost these way up. I don't know what your potential income situation is or how many clients you have right off the bat or, you know, what you're going to have all in place. But when you're on your own and not getting that regular paycheck, you're going to be very glad you went heavy on cash to cover all of the potential uneven cash flow. This is where many small businesses get into trouble. I personally have experienced this and it happens Clients can be slow to pay, you might get uneven payments, a lot of work comes in at one time, then not so much work, and you're waiting around to collect, but your bills are still there. It's going to be very stressful. And even if you have one or two very good clients, if they are a little bit delayed in paying, that can be a problem. You have all your eggs in one basket, and you're not diversified enough. So if you think you only need X months of cash coverage in cash reserves, I'd say try to double it. So if you need, if you think you you only need six, make it 12. I know that may sound extreme, but I have seen it many times where businesses get into trouble because they don't have enough in cash reserves. 
The second thing I would have you get would be the book Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. I'll have a link to the book and information in the show notes. This kind of goes along with the cash reserve concept, but it goes a little further. Every small business owner or professional, I think, should read this book. Um, In it, Mike is showing you how to set up what he does is this multiple bank account structure so that you are creating reserve accounts and pots of money that you're identifying and giving them a special purpose. You want to have things automated as much as you can, but by setting up these satellite accounts, you're creating reserves and one of the big ones is paying yourself first, which what it forces you to do, it results in less money for wasting or frittering away on business expenses that you may think you need, but really don't and aren't really essential to your business. You know, you hear the phrase, it takes money to make money. Well, yes and no. It's also a good way to kind of fool ourselves into thinking that we're spending money on some latest gadget or software program or special offer, special seminar that really isn't necessarily going to add value to, to your business. So it forces you to get very uh, structured and rigid about how you're spending your money. And it really gives you discipline. So that is my go-to resource over the last year. I love the book. And again, it's called Profit First, and I highly recommend that you read it. My third recommendation is that just like with your other building up your cash flow and watching what you're spending on business expenses, you need to look at your personal spending. What can you streamline currently get rid of extras that you're not using, cut out the waste so you aren't working hard to cover things that have absolutely no purpose or value to you. You know, you can always add these things back in later if you want them, if you find that you're missing them or need them, but see what you can do without. Trim, start cutting now and get used to it. The fourth recommendation I have for you is start shopping for individual long-term disability insurance while you are still employed it's likely that the insurer will only offer you a lower coverage amount because if you have group coverage currently, they don't want to over-insure you. But it's great to get the process started while you are still employed. It's likely going to be a lot easier to get the coverage in place if you are already employed versus once you're out on your own. Now, it's not impossible to get it once once you're out on your own, but the underwriting becomes more difficult. They can throw a lot of extra hurdles at you. I also recommend that you check the offerings provided to you through your local bar association um, because there are special packages that I have seen for attorneys that are available to attorneys. But watch out for extra riders or bells and whistles on a policy that you may not need. Get the essential coverage and you might be able to self-insure without such significantly higher premium costs. The fifth recommendation I have for you is review your health care coverage options and your life insurance coverage. You didn't mention anything about dependents. If you have dependents, you definitely want to make sure your life insurance coverage is healthy, just like we talked about with the disability. Um, but with the health care coverage, that is a whole segment that we could go into. So you should check to see what you can get through the exchange, uh, the market, the health care marketplace. Make sure your doctors and facilities that you use are in network, but 
start looking at it now. You, you, know, you said eight to 12 months. You just want to start to get an idea of what's available out there now. Things could change quite a bit between now and eight or 12 months, but it's best to start doing your homework. Recommendation number six is if you currently have a 401k, be aware that you probably aren't going to be required to roll it out of that plan over to an IRA unless you want to, or if the balance is below a set amount that your employer's plan actually sets where they might require you to roll it out. Probably not likely, but just throwing that out there for you. I caution folks to understand that there are trade-offs when you move out of a 401k plan and roll things over to an, to an individual retirement account. I highly, highly recommend that you do not take a distribution from your 401k. That's very tempting for a lot of people. They just want to cash it out. And that is not what it's intended for. So I recommend don't do that. The pros versus the cons of keeping your money at your current 401k versus putting it into an IRA. The pros of moving it out of a 401k to an IRA is that you have more control over the investment choices and possibly, possibly better beneficiary designations. But the downside can be that you might lose out on some asset protection from creditors, depending on where you live. And you actually may have higher investment costs if your employer has very good low cost institutional shares in their investment lineup. Now, not all employers have low cost investments. Actually, the majority do not. But there are quite a few that have improved their plans. So it's useful to compare what you're paying for the current 401k plan versus what you would be paying if you went out of the plan. There are some issues too if you were making Roth conversions from an IRA already. This is a really good topic to discuss with a professional, either your tax advisor or your financial planner. The seventh recommendation I have for you is to go out and test drive some systems that you need to run your business. Start doing that now so that they're in place and ready to go on day one. And the things I'm talking about are what systems are you going to use for managing client contacts, your CRM, we call it. Um, how do you manage your financial records and books and invoicing? Some people use QuickBooks. Uh, Wave apps is another one. And Zero are very popular. You should be out there looking at what it's going to cost for business insurance. So you have that lined up. What are your banking options? And I also recommend reading another very good book called The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. I'll have a link on that one as well in the show notes. This one is about creating systems in your business. Even if you're a solo practitioner, you didn't mention if you're going to have any employees, but if you do, that it works just as well. But the idea is getting you out of working in the day-to-day minutia of the business so that you can work on your business and versus in your business and not getting trapped into it where you're just running a vicious cycle trying to uh, generate enough hours billable to cover your bills but lose sight on how to actually operate your business. So those are my suggestions. If any of the listeners have suggestions for Elizabeth or ideas, please add them to the comments under podcast episode three at speakofmoney.com. Love to hear them. Of course, I'd love to hear your questions and I might be able to answer them in an upcoming episode. So please visit speakofmoney.com slash askmary. 
and you'll find a form on that page where you can send me your questions. Of course, I can't give personal advice through the website or on this podcast, and this information is general in nature, but hopefully it will help expand your knowledge and get you moving in the right direction. You can also follow me on Twitter at Speak of Money and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Speak of Money. I'd love to hear from you and connect. Well, that does it for today's episode. I thank you for listening and look forward to having you join me on the next episode. Until then, keep well. This podcast and the opinions voiced in this podcast are resources for educational and general information only. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual. No information in this podcast should be considered financial advice, and it should not take the place of consulting with your own financial, tax, or legal professional. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, please consult your own financial advisor prior to investing.